go. Get some audience participation. <laughs> All right, good morning. Afternoon. No, it, it's actually Is it morning, morning. still? Yeah. It, it was, oh, okay. Yeah, man, I've been through it. The last couple of days. Because <laughs> the last one you said good thought, afternoon. Well, I got really now freaked out. Now it's back to morning? I got, it was morning, actually. I got freaked out because I'm like... Oh man, we're not gonna have time to to, to interview. Pre-roll. You forgot. Oh, what do we? What you you forgot your watch was on Denver time. No, actually, I just misread my watch. Oh, okay. Which is really funny. There you I go. Can't tell time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Two Dope Studios. I'm Gerardo Munoz. It's your boy Kevin Adams. And we are two dope teachers in a mic. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with us, we are not live streaming yet. There we go. Uh, three, <laughs> two, one, go. We are live streaming from the NEA. Uh, conference on racial and social justice here in beautiful Houston, Texas. Um, we're here with two incredible young people who are amazing, doing amazing, young amazing, amazing yes. work. Um, we have this book that we're going to learn it about. It's called "Tell Me Who You Are." Uh, welcome to the show. Y'all want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Priya. I'm Winona. Uh, we both are, yeah, so excited. We're the co-founders <laughs> of Choose, our nonprofit that we started when we were sophomores in high school. And we are the co-authors of Tell Me Who You Are, which just came out a month ago. Woo! Um, really excited to be here to talk about Woo! it. So for yes. those of you watching the live stream, I'm currently trying not to block Winona out of the <laughs> shot. <laughs> um, yeah. We Something <laughs> like that. There we go. Well, now I'm out of the shot. No, sorry. My wife will yell at me if I'm not out of the <laughs> shot. <laughs> so, um, so this is... Um, this book is a is an outgrowth. So did the book come first, or did the the, the, the organizing no. effort uh, come first? Organizing effort came first. We started when we were sophomores in high school. We learned the statistic that kids start developing signs of prejudice at three to four years old. So it was pretty incredible to us that the first time we ever talked about race in school was in tenth grade, right? Our teacher walked into class. He was self-identifying wasp. Yep. He went in. Okay. Said, yeah. That's okay. what he we said. Like, yes. and and all, uh, is this yeah. going to be on the test? Oh, okay. <laughs> what do we do with this information? He was the last person we expected to talk about race in the class. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. yeah. But he did. And that conversation got us wanting to talk more to our peers about race. But then when we tried to carry the conversation outside of the classroom, our friends were like, you're starting a problem where none exists. Or our teachers would say that um, we grew up in Princeton, New Jersey which is okay. this very academic kind of holier-than-thou yeah, attitude I think we've heard in, a, of, uh, in a lot of ways. There's a little school there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went to the public high school there. Um, so a huge part of our journey started with first just collecting stories, yes. um, testimonies on our phone, no consent form, very informal. Yeah. 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 Um, and we just shared them with our friends to show that people do have experiences with race and racism and yeah. that it needs to be talked about. So you guys started by just wanting to prove a point. You're like, yeah, because yeah. totally. everybody was like, race is not an issue. Why are we talking? Yeah. Why are you guys talking about race? And so yeah. you're like, well, let's see. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. That is so cool. Yeah. Thank you. I um, remember once when we were trying to, you know, get more people on board, a lot of our peers, I told one of my friends, like, we're doing this thing, you should get started. And she was like, Priya, what are you talking about? Look at our lunch group. It's so diverse. There's a black girl, there's a white girl, there's an Asian girl. <laughs> you have girl. all the boxes Yeah. Checked. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Wait, who's who's the black girl? And she was like, you. And I was like, oh. I'm Indian American. And I called her my best friend at the time, you know? So yes. there's just this yeah. huge culture of, like, indifference and ignorance that we wanted to combat. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. That's awesome. So it, it is interesting. So you all um, have, and we've said, and you, you've said this to us in our conversations leading up to um, this conversation mm-hmm. that for you, it, it, it seemed completely just 
wild that the first time that you were invited into a conversation about race in mm -hmm. school was when you were 15, 16 years old. Right. Talk about why that was surprising to you. Like, what, why was the reaction that well, only now we're yeah, talking yeah, about this? Yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely, because, I mean, race had impacted us for our entire lives, right? Like, one of my earliest memories is... One of my earliest memories is in kindergarten calling a white girl for a play date and being like, I'm so excited, you know, do you want to hang yep. out at my house? And her being like, I don't hang out with girls like you. I don't hang out with Chinese girls. Wow. Or, or for me, when I was younger, one of the earliest birthday gifts I can remember was skin bleaching products from a wow. close family member. And wow. those things stay with you, but we never learn how to talk about them. Right. And it's not just our oppressions or the traumas that we've been through. We feel like even with our privileges growing up in a town like Princeton, yep, yep, yeah. um, for me, reflecting on how I had two supporting parents who supported the work that we did, we never learned how to talk about those. We only learned how to stay silent around our privileges. Yep. yep. Um, and my end too, thinking about, you know, for example, I have light skin, I have straight hair. Those are two privileges, you know, that Priya, for example, does not experience. Yeah, and being yeah. able to reckon with that and to translate that privilege into a huge sense of responsibility to do this right. work as well was something we never thought about until we were sophomores in high school. And so I think only after starting that racial reflection, which was empowered, inspired by our educators in our right. school, yeah. Yeah. only yeah, after doing teachers. that, a shout out to teachers, yeah. our favorite. But only y'all who actually do the work though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only y'all yeah, do the work and you get a shout out. Yeah. Shout out to some yeah. teachers. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so only after that um, yeah. did we start engaging, being being intentional about engaging with our community right. in sophomore year. That's oh, dope. wow. That's dope. Yeah, it, it's it's an amazing thing. And so how, like, what do, what, do, what have you guys learned as a result yeah. of your research, mm. of the work, the organizing that you've engaged in? What, right. what are some of those big takeaways that you kind of have? Absolutely. So actually, our book, Tell Me Who You Are, there we go. <laughs> there we go. it's split up into the 10 biggest takeaways we had from our travel to all 50 yes. states interviewing the strangers for stories about race. Right. And those the chapters range from our best friends are still strangers to diversity is not the goal to the past is the present. And right. we kind of cover those takeaways. Wow. Yes. And wow. just to fill in the gaps, too, between when we first started recognizing that we needed yeah, these I was conversations yes. Yes. When, yeah. we were, yeah. when we were 15 years old. So we were collecting these stories. We shared them on social media. We spoke at a bunch of faculty meetings. And we spoke at it wasn't until we spoke at our own high school faculty meeting. Uh -huh. And we were just kind of saying that it's important to talk about race in the classroom, raising awareness, and the next day our teachers came up to us and they were like, we need more concrete steps. Um, we need to do more than raise awareness. And then that got us thinking, how can we leverage these hundreds of powerful stories we had collected from our hometown for, yeah. into some kind of tool? Um, so we developed the story stat model. So we would interview, for example. So that's the story stop model. Okay, cool. Story, story stat. stat model. Story stat. stat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. I, I'm glad I asked that clarifying question. Because yeah. 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 in the past I'd be like, okay, story okay. stop. Uh, I don't. Yeah. So where's the stop? Yeah. Uh, in our first TED talk, um, yes. it's online. It's called "What It Takes to Be Racially Literate." We call it the heart mind gap. Yes. And so the heart part of it is like we need stories to strike compassion in our yeah. hearts, right? Yeah. But we. We need mm -hmm. statistics, we need systematic understanding for more complete understandings in our minds. And so we felt conversations about race so often didn't bridge the two and we yeah. wanted to build that bridge. So we would interview, for example, a black man about his experience with police brutality mm -hmm. and we would think, you know, this story is so powerful. Sharing this story though would right. be more powerful if we paired it with the statistic that black males are nine to 15 times more likely to be killed by law enforcement yep. than yeah. other yep. Americans, yep. right? Yeah. Well, it's like that whole thing because
because there's there's also going to be that reaction. It's like, well, what did you do? Yeah. Like, did you do what the officer told you to yeah. do? Yes. Were you yeah. Acting yeah. Threatening? yeah. Exactly. Did you raise your yeah. voice? And right. so when you can couch a story within, yeah. hey, this is not an aberration. This is this not is a, regular a one-off. Experience. This, yeah. is this is happening often. to black men right. all over yeah. the country. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, that, that's such a powerful thing. I, and I also like the casual, you know, our first TED Talk. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Casual flexing. Yeah, exactly. I, I think what's amazing, so we were just talking to Taina Asili, the yeah. eminent uh, Puerto Rican artist and activist uh, yeah. who performed this morning, and and um, and and we were also talking to Miss Jessica Matthews about yes. you know the organizing efforts in Flint yeah. and what we keep hearing about um, one of the ways that young people that the next generation is so effective in engaging these issues is just an awareness of how to leverage social media and technology mm -hmm. and those kinds of things to actually push things and what I think is so dope is that you didn't stop with we're gonna post some videos. And then there's going to be a bunch of back and forth, but at least we just did it and whatever. You were looking at the next step. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember we went to meet with our superintendent. Oh yeah. Um, oh, who has wow. supported our work for a <laughs> okay. while, but we were like, you know, for a while. we want to, we want to, we want to, you know, go past just interpersonal or change or raising awareness. Yep, we yep. want systematic change, right? We want to change curriculum. Yes. And our superintendent yes. was like girls like changing curriculum is like changing an airplane you turning gotta do an it turning an airplane you would have to my airplane is about to crash i want it turned around uh, yeah. you know what exactly. i'm saying like, exactly. <laughs> like so slowly it won't you won't experience and we're, sometimes yeah. uh, planes need to take emergency landings exactly. sometimes they need to change their route I see. Yeah. and racial equity in our district has already crashed yeah. but anyway so we were like <laughs> we were like we want to change yeah. <laughs> we wanted to and he was like you know you're gonna grab graduate long before it's done and so we left the meeting like you know if systematic curriculum change is not something we can do right now what yep. can we do yep. instead yep. right and we wanted to do something that was actually tangibly helpful right. to our teachers in starting these conversations yes. we we're like yeah. we're gonna make a tool made by students but we want to be informed so we sent out a survey to all these educators we heard back 80% of the teachers in our district wanted to talk about race right. but they had all these reasons that's why amazing. they couldn't mm -hmm. why it was a yep. challenge yep. right yep. no time I'm a white woman I don't want to speak yes, on behalf of right. my individual right. experience yep. Yep. we were like how can we create a tool that addresses all these concerns and is right. tangibly helpful for educators. So we piloted a 52-page version of this book, um, the same story stat model, yeah. pairing all of these stories to systematic research um, in our local public schools. The next year, we published a 224-page textbook sponsored by the Department of African American Studies at Princeton. <laughs> and that one did the same thing of pairing stories and stats. And all of a sudden, we were like featured in Teen Vogue, and students and teachers started picking up our book in 40 states. Yes. Uh, yeah, and we were like, Oh my gosh, our Y'all other 10 states is whack. We made this book on free trials of InDesign. Like, we could do so much better. Um, so that's when we started fundraising um, through GoFundMe sponsorships to take a year off before college yes. and do Tell Me Who You Are. That's and, a gap and, year. And it, that's a gap It has year. stories yeah. from all over, all 50 states, all 50 right? States. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and where the critical part, mm -hmm. where can we find your book? How yeah. do we get it? And where can we find it in a way that most benefits the movement yeah. that you are a part of. Yeah. So I know Amazon's cool, but right. yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, we have to use Amazon. We'll use got to, Amazon, got but, to. But, but what's the best way? Yeah. Yeah. So our hope right now as an organization, we're working on, you know, racial literacy for every American, right? And, yes. and the pathway we want to take to get there is required racial literacy curriculum in all K through 12 schools. So in terms of oh, administrators. Oh, can I just pause you? Yeah. 
this girl just said racial literacy, literacy, literacy. curriculum all K through 12. All can, can we get some snaps for so racial all literacy in all K through 12 schools? <laughs> so, but to, but to answer, answer the question, I was getting there. Let me cut in because there's a couple of folks passing yeah. through. Uh, for those of you just passing through who have not um, been a, been in the UDO with us, uh, we are two dope <laughs> teachers in a mic. I'm Gerardo Munoz, that's Kevin Adams, and we are sitting with Priya and Winona who are talking about their book. Hold up the book right there. Tell me who you yes. are. Um, and um, this idea, oh, you can hold it up higher. There we go. Uh, we're talking about racial literacy and why it's needed K through 12 all yes. over this uh, fine nation. So go ahead. And, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just to answer your question. So, so we hope, we, I mean, we hope that uh, parents will get the book to, you know, parents have told us we read these stories to our kids before bedtime or, oh, or awesome. employees will get wow. it for the company training. But we care especially about, about teachers, right? Schools yes, across the yes. country. And so for any teachers or administrators right. listening, our big dream would or be, you know, get it or yeah, here, here, here. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep, over yep. here. You could get an autograph copy. Yeah. Wait, yeah. are you doing that? Are you I'm, I'm just like, yeah, all of a sudden we are signing. We okay, are good. Signing. <laughs> 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 no, exactly. But I, I was going to say, um, we, we hope you might consider getting copies for the teachers yeah. in your district yes. uh, to start teaching this book, teaching racial literacy in your classroom. And to do that, you go Amazon, also 800coreads.com, is you can get book orders and that kind of thing, or on the back of our book is our website and if you yeah. go on our website there's additional teacher resources you can yeah. download for free there and that really kind cool. of thing. we made them in partnership with TED-Ed and they just show how you can best use the book in your class no matter what wow. subject and area if you con contact us we're happy to Skype in you can yeah. get more information on our website how yeah we're oh that's so amazing. so going back to what Caitlin Bruce and uh, Jesse said yesterday it's already there so the folks it's, from it's Black Lives all Matter. there yeah. it's all made uh, if you don't use it then you suck pretty much yeah, I mean, yeah. and honestly, honestly like i mean because cuz that's what that like what do we know about those who occupy spaces of power and privilege yeah. in in our society yeah. they will have excuses all the time yeah. as a cis straight male I, I can make every excuse in the world about why I don't need to talk about patriarchy yep, or yep, sexism yep. or misogyny. Uh, uh, white folks can come up with all kinds of reasons not to talk about, about race. race. And so what you have done in such a powerful way, and I want to I wanna get into the nuts and bolts in a second, is removed a major barrier because what that's what we know we have to move remove barriers like caitlin said yesterday yep, yep. like we just like take away all the excuses yeah. take away all the excuses mm -hmm. and that's what you've done i think yeah. amazing. so i have a question so much. yeah um maybe maybe i'm stereotyping a little bit but hearing you talk about your work and and like kind of like there are folks like that i've worked with in schools throughout my 20 plus year <laughs> career who would not be able to hold a conversation with y'all around these areas. You, you are clearly informed and polished yep. and like you've done your work. I, I imagine you got good grades. How, <laughs> how did you do this work? Hey, well, the, the stereotype is I hear you being smart. And so that's like, well, you had to get good why. grades. That's fine. Uh, how did you maintain, like, so what we hear from our students a lot, and, and it's, it's valid, that yeah. they're being pulled in so many directions, there's so much pressure on them to, to do well in all their AP classes and to do all yeah. this stuff and yep. get into college. Yep. How are you able to be like, I see you, high school expectations, but I'm gonna still do this work. How are you able to do that? I can't, I can't even like write for five minutes and before it's like, oh dang, I got dinner and I gotta like drive people. How did you do this? <laughs> Teach us your ways. <laughs> well, 
Okay, first of all, it stems from the passion of just like really wanting racial literacy to be a fundamental 21st century life skill along with all these other literacies we learn like mathematical literacy. Y'all hear that out there? Um, a fundamental 21st century yes. life skill. Yeah. I love that. We felt like we couldn't really sit in our other classes while our friends weren't able to talk about our own experiences with us or our educators weren't able to understand us or we weren't able to understand others, you know? So it was really, or ourselves, or ourselves right? Yeah. So it was really just like a passion and a, and a drive to want to change something before we graduated but to kind of break down how life looked like in high school <laughs> we all we often talk about how during the gap year we like relearned how to be human how to like sleep and like exercise <laughs> yeah. and you know not do work 24 7 <laughs> yeah yes. in high school we would we did the ap classes we did all of that and um after school extracurriculars a lot of meetings with um, organizers administrators educators in the local area and then um, we would get up at like three and drive to each other's houses in the morning and then work wow. until 7 a.m. and then wow. walk to school. If there's not enough hours of the day, just make the day a little right. bit longer. That's it. That's it. Which That's it. it worked in the sense that we like were able to do, yeah. you know, the books and, and spread them to yep. schools and yep. administrators. But it didn't work in the sense that we were so exhausted yeah, by sure. the end yeah, of it. Sure. Yep. Even after the gap year, we were in a different state every like four days. Oh, man. And sometimes in one day we, in Mississippi, we interviewed 24 people in one day. Um, and those stories ranged from, you know, we wow. interviewed at a school that had just integrated that past school year in the Mississippi Delta. Wait, had oh, wow. just yes. integrated? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So for those of y'all that think that Brown v. Board ended everything, right. <laughs> we have it. Yeah. It's like, how long ago was this? This is in 2017. 2017, 17. schools yeah. are still integrating. Yeah. Schools are still integrating. Or like the Pine Ridge Reservation, which yes. is one yes. of the poorest districts in the country. Yep. And we yep. were interviewing kids our own age, sitting across from us, sharing their most personal stories. So there was a lot of secondary trauma as well. And we just realized by the end of the gap year, thanks to our mentors, thanks to the help from our educators, how to engage in self-care and how to heal around all of this and how to take breaks and how um, really taking care of ourselves was actually an act of like, yes, self-preservation. Hand them out. Important. Critical. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's this tricky balance, too, where, you know, we have loved doing this work. We yeah. felt right. so energized yep. by it. Yep. We, we would never change a thing. We feel responsible for it. We have learned so much, right? right? But then often, you know, we're talking with these other young people of color, young activists in different communities, and they're always like, you know, now I don't have any time left for my school because I'm doing all this, like, activism right. stuff. Yes. And, yes. and finding finding all of us doing doing the work that an administrator should be yeah. doing, yeah. right? And, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And so I think that speaks to, you know, even at, even at college, right, there, this idea that a friend gave me language for of unpaid emotional labor that we do all the time. Yes, where, yes, um, at, you know, we're sitting yep. at lunch tables, somebody I, brings up Cue the teacher's all like, yes. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we, know. <laughs> we know what that is. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And, and just always having to be the one to raise your hand and speak on behalf, you know, this is an issue. Yeah. You're not representing yeah. certain voices, you know, all of these different things that takes a, a huge emotional yeah, toll it really in, does. Addition, it really does. in addition to yeah. time that can take away from, from you know, uh, the the grades that you, that you were talking yep, about. Yep. So I, I think I mean even you were talking about like white cis men who are you know these administrators who are in positions of power and yep. everything <laughs> like yep, that. Yep. You know it's not like you're. It's in your actual job description, y'all. Like you yeah, you need totally. students it's part to of succeed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just like a, a nice thing you're doing for young people of color when you do something like pursue racial equity. It's a tremendous loss to our whole communities when we think that it the current racial racially right. divided world is okay or that we're not missing something beautiful yeah. when we yeah. don't reach across these racial divisions and form these incredible relationships and community with one another um yeah. anyways so I that, no that's <laughs> amazing that's amazing I mean, well and it's interesting because because i see both of you in these moments where 
where you're still kind of like, okay, anyway, you know where we're going with this, right? Yeah. But but I I love the I love the assertiveness. I love just the y'all have no doubt mm. that what you're doing is the right thing for your community and for you know young people everywhere and for a better society. And I, and I think to be able to carry that kind of confidence, like I'm I'm learning, like sitting up here. Yeah. You know, it's an incredible thing to witness. Thank We've so learned much. from the best, from yeah, the best teachers educators. across the country who yeah. <laughs> we love dearly. Clearly, you guys. Yeah, are but amazing. I bet I bet they've learned a lot yes, more from you. Yes, um, yes, and, I would say humble, that. humble, yeah, humble. very humble. So my bad, my bad. Okay. <laughs> um, and you guys' experience, like, how has creating this book inspired your future endeavors and kind of maybe shifted the way you think about activism and being involved in your yeah. world? Well, there's this idea that racial literacy never ends, right? So I remember even after we graduated- Racial literacy never ends. Never ends. Even after we graduated high school and wrote this textbook, we came out thinking like, we're racially literate. We know yes. what's going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yep. And then one of the first states we visited was Honolulu. Honolulu. Uh-huh. Professor said. We sat in front of a professor. We were like, we're, yeah, we're traveling to all of these states. Yeah, and he was right. like, he was like, we're not the 50th state. We're an independent Stop. nation. That's right. You're, oh, you're like, okay. The US government. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, ah. Yeah, because yeah. if you look at the That's history, right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so we were constantly, you know, checked and challenged all throughout the journey. And even in college, we were we were learning about um, the U.S.'s history with the colonies, um, the yeah. territories. Oh, yep, yep, right? yep. And how there's so many unheard voices uncounted for. And here in our book, we have this line that we traveled to all 50 states, but there are a lot of voices that we still need to hear and still yeah. need to travel to. So later this summer, we're going to Puerto Rico. Very good. Wow. Um, and also our main focus, though, is getting this book in classrooms, right? So developing tools, um, speaking as many places as we can, trying to encourage teachers to pick it up. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and we were just having a conversation. Like, there, there are districts that are beginning to come into consciousness yeah. about what resources are out there. I know Dr. Cornelius Miner's book, We Got This, has been purchased by districts for every single employee to yeah. be reading that book. Yeah. Um, I think we need to start, start a campaign. I think we That's need right. to get this out there and say yeah. this is, if you read one book, on how to understand and listen to students and to check yourself like maybe this is the book that that you read yeah. like it, it's what I it mean it, like it to seems me. to make sense if we start with the voice of students yeah, yeah. we probably get a better understanding of their experiences yeah. when it comes to race and social justice in the classroom yep. you know and I think oftentimes you know we have this view of like these are the problems that we've identified uh, totally. from above clearly these are what the issues are and the kids are like that's not what the issue is <laughs> yeah. yeah you know and so i think it's so inspiring and when me and gerardo first met you guys and were introduced to you we were just like that's awesome yeah that's awesome because you guys are doing the work of, of taking it into your own hands and saying look we didn't get this yeah. it needs to be out there right. and and that's why it's so inspiring to say to hear you know you guys have a audacious goal right is is racial literacy for everybody Mm -hmm. to make this as important as we talk about all these other forms of literacy. And so I am just so impressed and inspired by the work you have done. And uh, I think we're definitely gonna push at our school to use this book and and try to push everybody else because I think you guys have created a powerful tool that I think is what we're always looking for. Yeah, no doubt. And and I just have to say, 15 year old Gerardo 
who sat in the back of his classrooms angry all the time <laughs> because I felt like an imposter. I didn't feel like I belonged there. Thanks you. Yes. Oh, wow. Because I feel like that's the kind of thing that can change, like the kind of, here, like, and, I, and we see it with our students. When our students um, learn stories that resonate with them, it changes their lives. Yep. Yep. It changes their lives. Y- y'all are engaging in life-changing work here, and uh, it's an incredible thing. Right back at you. Oh. Right <laughs> back at you. Last thing I want to say, just you know, what you just said means means so much to us because even if we had this book when we were younger, when we were even 15, and had all this language articulator experience, it would have it would have changed everything, right? It would yeah. have meant the world. And part of why we care so much about getting this book out there is it's not just about we tell part of our own story and right. our journey as yes. young people, but it also includes dozens of, right. of voices of young people and their stories, and you know over a hundred voices total, but so many young people and students need to be heard and valued and represented, right? So and they need to be told that their voices matter, yes, their stories yes, matter. Yes, yes, wow. yes. Yeah. So um, you mentioned um, that that the work of racial literacy is never done. Uh, Puerto Rico is mm-hmm. coming. That's going to be the next thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's next for y'all? So in addition to the travel to territories, we're continuing our own self-education in college. We're really excited to be in a space where we can just learn from so many incredible activists and professors. And this nonprofit is what we're hoping it will be lifelong work. We started it five years ago and are just really building up the nonprofit and trying to ensure that this gets into schools and we can continue creating educator resources. The nonprofit name is Choose, C-H-O-O-S-E. The website is chooseorg.org. Org. Oh, and um, social media at choose underscore at org. choose underscore so org. Choose, yeah. Choose uh, choose org. Yeah, yeah. like Here. making a choice. Okay, got you. Yeah. yeah. And but then social media choose underscore org. Choose underscore org. And that's yeah. all your social media and right we, there. And yeah. we post little clippets from our, our book that are like mini racial literacy lessons. Nice. Also. Yeah. Um, Very good. But racial literacy for every American is our goal, and we're working on that every day. That's it. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I know I know people have to start hustling yeah. um, and getting themselves going. So we got a way that we conclude the show. Um, I will ramble, and um, <laughs> and then there will be a cue, sort of subtle cue, and then in unison we all say "Stay dope." All right. Okay, so that's that kind of yeah. happens. So for Kevin Adams, for Winona, for Priya. I am Gerardo Munoz for Choose Org and their amazing work. Yes. We are wishing all of you, as we conclude this conference, to and and every day, today, tomorrow, in the future, seeing that long path today and to always stay, stay dope. dope. <laughs>